Hello and welcome to another episode of Hollow Hearts 101 with Dr. Jacqueline De Rosario, America's Marist Coach. This episode, we're talking about store gay love, familiar love, dealing with interactions within the family from mother to son, son to mother, and everything in between. This episode features once again Homestead Poppy, aka Alex Del Rosario, and it's going to be a treat. So buckle in, get your notepad out, and be willing to take part in Hollow Hearts 101. Dr. Jackie here, welcoming you to the podcast where we complete our work and the series on love. So guess what? We're talking today about store gay love. Rhymes with agape love, S-T-R-O-G-E. And we know that when we spoke about agape, that's that unconditional love. Well, storge love is not necessarily always unconditional, but it's familial love, the love that we have in families. And here to share our discussion on storge love, again, I welcome to the stage Alex Del Rosario, otherwise known as AKA Homestead Poppy. Welcome, Alex. How are you today? It's a pleasure to be here against my will. Against your will. Well, I know that you were constantly being littered with texts from your publicist who shared that it might not be in your best interest to discuss. No, no, Uh not only that, but then I had to deal with uh, accusations of things that I said on last podcast Mm -hmm. that I did not say. So we don't have a script here, but I will be following a script. Okay. Okay. Don't worry. We have things dictated. We we do dictation so that you can kind of look at what was said. Because I'm sure that all the listeners do recall you talking about how a woman uses emotion when she's discussing her criticisms and how sometimes that can create difficulties in communication and even make a man feel sometimes disrespected. Absolutely. That's what I said. That That is what I was sharing in our mm-mm, debate. But mm-mm, at any rate, that, that was what I shared in our debate. But if you don't mind, let's turn our focus to Storgate. Because please, bless us with your wisdom. Well, I'll, I feel like you have um, a, a family. You, you've been a part of two families. I've mm-hmm. only really been a part of one, so I think that you would be the best person because you were raised in a household with five other people. Mm-hmm. And then now you created your own household with four. Yeah. So I think that you would be the expert to talk about well, this. Well, I, I, I would love to share a couple of things about Storge Love because, you know, I think that we're born with this expectation. We're taught that we're supposed to love our siblings no matter what, that blood is thicker than water. And I find that that kind of works up until a point. I think that when there's distance that comes between siblings while we're in that evolutionary process, because I'm no longer the Jackie that left my brother around age 21 when we finished college together. We both went to University of Miami and then he started building his family. I started building my businesses and things like that. There was still that closeness. And even though we fight as siblings, you know, that there's birth order and there's always different constellations with birth order and the different challenges in our relationships based on that. But I think as long as we're able to keep working through that, well, what I noticed for me was when my brother moved away. So I had one brother to move away, then my favorite brother, the one that I was closest to, who's closest to me in age, moved away. Storge love became a little bit more tested, right? Because now if you have a disagreement, you're not hanging around each other. You haven't really fueled up that store gay battery with all of these, you know, encounters and all of these different um, um, scenarios 
But instead, if now there's a withdrawal because there's been some sort of an ought or an offense or, you know, some sort of a debate or breakdown in that relationship, it's hard for it to recover. And so what I notice that I see a lot uh, as I've gotten older, even though I'm not that old, I'm barely a few years older than you. I do notice, though, that I see that a lot of times siblings are no longer the, clo the closest people to their siblings. Usually the people begin to build new families that are not of their gene pool, that are not of their bloodline. So you have new people that come into your life that you can consider brothers, um, even though you have an actual blood brother. That kind of makes me think of you and uh, Lawrence. Wouldn't you say that that's kind of similar? For sure. I would say that it, um, there are certain life experiences that like true friendship and true um, brotherhood has nothing to do with blood. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's silly to a certain extent to make it all about blood. Because if you make it all about blood, look, let's just talk about the Bible. Cain mm -hmm. was blood tied to Abel and we see how that worked out. So he wasn't a good brother. Mm -hmm. So um, that was his blood, but that wasn't. They, other than blood, they had nothing in common. Mm -hmm. Even even the way that they uh, lived their lives and treated other people and even served God ultimately. So it was kind of like, um, to me, I care more about um, bonds that are eternal. All right, but can't you build eternal bonds with your own siblings? And and if so, can you give us some pointers on how to do that? I would ask you that question because I feel like you're 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 more qualified. Oh, so now I'm more qualified. Now last uh, podcast you were saying how you no, taught no, no, me no, no, what no, I know I, and excuse me, excuse and everything. Me. Oh, so I'm just goodness. a little confused. I just want oh, to bring clarity in it. I, okay. I, well, 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 uh, well, well, let me go ahead yeah, and tell. Please, please. I mean, <clears throat> being someone that's kind of gone through that evolutionary cycle with my siblings. Now remember, I'm one of five. So, mm -hmm. and I'm the only girl uh, that survived. And I have these three brothers. First of all, I think that as you get older, your your sex becomes more apparent. You know, the things that people are drawn to or like sometimes, I'm not saying that this is a rule, but I'm just saying sometimes that happens. Like I noticed being your mother, there was an age at which you and your brother, you thought just like me. And then it's like you went through puberty. And then I started noticing that sometimes we would break on certain topics. And then by the time you got out of college, there were more topics that we would break on. And then as you came into early manhood, it's like, I got another one of my husband. It, you know, it's like, we're just not very much, um, there's not a lot of symmetry there between who, who you are as a man and who I am as a woman. Our style of communication, as you brought up last uh, podcast, um, the things that we're interested in, the way that we think and process information, those differences become more apparent. And I think that with siblings, you have to be intentional, just like I am in my marriage, about how do I go through this evolution of the different phases, the different versions of Jackie, and, and while my husband's going through the different versions of Vince, the different life episodes, being parents, now empty nesters, you know, how do we go through all of that and make sure that our stuff is solid? You know, it makes me think of that song, solid as a rock, dun, 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 dun. You know, how do you keep that solid? You have to be intentional. And that, that, that doesn't mean that you play patty cake around the things that will threaten your union. I feel the same way about being a sibling. If your sibling does not live in your city, you have to make it a priority to put them on a weekly call list. 
even if it's for just a 10, 15 minute call to be enmeshed in their life. Number two, you have to make it a point to see each other often, as often as possible. And I think that when you're not intentional, guess what happens? Life rushes in and other things fill up that time. And then with the absence of being able to bond and stay bonded together through experiences, you begin to find this chasm filling up with other things. And, and now there's space between you. So. Hello, and with the Hollow Hearts 101, if you haven't been here before, we take the time for you to think about and reflect on what's going on, because this is a lesson for somebody somewhere, somehow. And this particular break, we're taking the time for you to think about and reflect on any relationships that you've had with your parents, with your mother, with your siblings. Do you go out your way to reach out? Do you go out your way to make it available? How has those family relationships that you hold so close to you evolved over the time? And have they been for the better or for the worst? Take this time to reflect on these things and get ready for the next section of Hollow Hearts 101. stated all of that and and as you said you have three brothers do you feel like you've done those things that you just uh talked about with your intentionality with those relationships because they all live in different cities mm-hmm. and uh you know i don't know of me growing up and seeing them a lot that wasn't a thing for me yeah so i wasn't close to any of them so 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 then and from from from, from my perspective you're not close with your brothers that's my yeah. opinion so it's kind of interesting to hear you talk about it that way because mm-hmm. my perception of that is that you're i wouldn't consider you close with yeah but i also think close. that it takes two people both people have to be committed because i'm not the kind of person that really souls into things that don't give me fruit so having said that my eldest brother who i was the closest to he was my best friend so we even went to college together so i'm a year apart from him he went to college the first year he was always home always around me Um, I went to college with him at University of Miami. We were always together, you know, doing things together. It's funny because we didn't double date very much together, but we were always together, always, you know, at home, playing around, joking. And, you know, it was a delightful scenario. But then when he got married, he got with this woman who didn't like him being very close to his family. And so there was a struggle for me to see how I could keep us knit together. But it's like you could only fight so much. And now... You know, for any of my listeners that's listening to this, someone wise once said this to me. There's really no argument between a man and a woman that are romantic together. They have seed in common. What do you have other than some love and some feelings and and maybe some blood? But this is his new family. And so I just let that go. Mm -hmm. And then I just decided, hey, I can try to be available when he's available, but I will not put an expectation. Um... Now, how well, you know, how rightful my decision was really depends. But I had to make a decision because it was hurtful to me to know that she wanted, she told me I'm going to separate you guys and to see it happen. And then my 
missing my brother so much. But I had to realize my brother's not ignorant. He's a man, he has to make his own choices. So obviously he made a choice. So I had to acquiesce with that choice. And so I had to put myself in a position where I felt that it was, you know, most productive and healthy for me, if that makes sense. And, and, and it's funny that she brought that up because that's one of the, my favorite quotes I ever told you. Mm. Was that one quote? Which and was? The one that you just said that the wise person told you. Oh my God. So you're the wise person? You well, you said it because I told you. Well, no, you. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm actually I mean, referring to someone by the name of Dr. Paula Price. I, I really wasn't. That's the wise person I was referring to. But well, that's right, let I me told you let me give thing, credit where guess, credit is due, since you've also you said it. Thank you, know, you, sir. Listen to my Well, well, I, I must have missed that one, mm -hmm. but I caught it this time, so yeah. I'm gonna put it in my pocket and save it for and later. Gave someone else the credit. Yeah, there you go. There's right. another aspect of story gay love that talks about the relationship between a parent mm -hmm. and their child, mm -hmm. and the child with their parent. I think you both are well qualified to speak on this. Mm -hmm. Well, well, you know, there's a real situation now because as children grow older, I think the same thing happens that happens with siblings. The children start building their own nest. They start crafting their own life. And their, their parents are at that same time starting to transition. So there's a period where they're probably kind of maybe still with their parents. And as their parents start getting older and can't go or do the same things, you know, uh, and that person, that child keeps building their life. Sometimes there's a chasm that begins to open up there too. So I think again, it goes back to what is it in your mind's eye that you want to see your family look at look like? I think that listeners have to begin to envision that with the sense of understanding that things do change and that there's seasons of life that they need to look at and figure out what do they want to see it look like for them. And if they want to see it look like this or like that, what are the steps that they need to take intentionally to make sure that that happens? And I think that that's key. Number two, we have to recognize that as people become, I think here in the United States, we make a real uh, error in saying that children are adults because they turn 18, not so. We know that the frontal lobe of the brain is not even developed for them to make wise decisions until they're past 21. Having said that, I love Jewish faith. I love the way that they raise their families. Children are still respectful of their parents. They look to them for any major decision that they're making in their life. They tend to consult with their parents. So you see that it's a thread that's woven throughout the fabric of their life. I think the way that we conceptualize it is like, like no, you're on your own, it's your life. It, and we don't seem to want to anchor it back to the mother stone. That's what I would call it, back to the family, family, the people that gave you birth. And so I just feel like, you know, you gotta be intentional. But there is a commonality um, with mothers and daughters of having difficulty as that daughter becomes a woman. A lot of times it's almost like there's more friction and tension between them. The more that daughter becomes more into the woman and that what that mother is starting to transition now. What do you say about that on your side? So what, what, why are your thoughts about that? Because you only have two boys, but of course you're a... But I'm a daughter though. So I have a mother. Oh, oh yes. I'm a daughter. Oh wow. Yeah, sorry. And I have many clients in my practice that I've had to work with because they've had difficulties with their mothers. So it's common. So what's and your a lot expertise of, on that? I don't really have an expertise, but I think I'm very good at seeing, meeting out what the issues are. And what I found is a lot of times when the mothers are going through that transition, they don't want to lose their footing in their daughter's life. But as that mother is getting older and with her family, she might have a different vision than what the, the mother might want. And so the more that that mother is trying to, you know, 
keep a hold of and still keep her same footing. She doesn't want time to go by now. Now she's pushed to the side and her perspective is not valued and she's not brought into the mainstream to spend the same amount of time. So what happens is there's a lot of resentment that ensues. And in that attempt to stay connected, I think sometimes boundaries are crossed, right? And so then feelings get hurt and you see that there's a ter deterioration of the relationship even further. Okay. What say you from the son to the mother? How's that relationship and how have you maintained it? How has it evolved from mommy to, well, now I'm an adult, she's an adult. Mm -hmm. I still call her mommy. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things. You call, call like dad. 10 people mom. Everybody And I mom. still call my uh, dad daddy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's just the way that I feel about him. So there are certain parts that I don't ever want to change because, you know, from the outside in, they're like, dang, you still call your daddy, dad, daddy. Like, you know what I'm saying? It sounds weird, especially when you're when you're older, but it feels right because that's the way that I view them. I view them as, you know, in that same light of like, yo, these people love me like a baby. Like everyone loves a baby, right? Mm -hmm. They love me like how they love a baby. So I love them the way a baby loves their mommy and their daddy. So to That's me, beautiful. to me saying mommy, daddy, like it, 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 it means something. Like I, I know that I'm, I know that I'm, I'm about to be 30 years old still saying mommy and daddy. And you know, usually I do try to only say it at home cause it's more, you know, mm -hmm. uh, intimate there. Yeah. But at the end of the day, um, I just think everything's about um, blossoming and, 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 and growth Growth is never the way that a parent intends it to be, and it's never the way that the child thought mm -hmm. it would be. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's the only real friction most of the time mm -hmm. with with a good foundation. Mm -hmm. Because if people are coming from abusive households and stuff like that, I can't talk to that. Yeah. But I can talk about even a good foundation. The growth creates uh, friction because the parents, especially when you have good parents, they feel responsible as they should, but then there comes a point where you actually add, part of the responsibility is to start to let go. Mm -hmm. And a lot of responsible, good parents don't know how to do that at the correct time, and that can cause issues. Are you a parent who cares a little bit too much about every single thing that your child is doing? Or were you the child that felt like your parents were all up in your business? Did you understand that as a child, that parent was coming from a place of love. And as a parent, your child just wants to grow in the right way. Have you even thought about the time where you will eventually have to let go of your child? Or even more importantly, as a child, have you thought about the time where what freedom really looks like and why potentially your parents might not want you to have the freedom that you so desperately want? These are things for you to reflect on and think about as both a child and potentially as a parent, how do you deal with letting go? So let's talk about that. Because I want to frame that. So I want to I want to braid together what you're saying and what I'm saying to show that it's not different. He's really saying the same thing I'm saying. What I'm saying is I don't think that we should expect that we let go meaning let go of them having some sort of tie-in, um, involvement. I think that's different than somebody's overbearing and trying to tell somebody what to do and expecting that the child is going to listen. 
You, but I do believe that a child should expect that their parents' wisdom, they should learn to garner and to grow from their parents' wisdom. See, I think that I was taught like, you know, in my generation, like, oh, they don't know nothing. You know, they're old fashioned and things are different now. There, there's not too much that's really different that matters. Technology is different, but people are still people and the world still evolves in the same way it evolved from my parents' generation. One of the things I noticed about my parents, when they would give you advice, they were hardly ever wrong if you ever listened. You might not like what they say and you might not agree with it, but I think that a lot of parents are overbearing and they expect that just because they gave the advice that the child has to obey it. No, it's just a way in. But I want to, I, I prefer for them to err on the side of being involved than not being involved at all. Because there's some parents that just let them do whatever, see that they're about to run in a ditch and offer nothing. And I think that there's, <laughs> there's a real shame in that because they've been just taught to believe that, well, they just got to learn for themselves. No, you're still the guardian. You're still a bishop of their soul. So I think that you give them the information and just in doing that, I think that you can utilize your parental authority over your child for their safety and for their protection. And it doesn't mean that I hamper them. It doesn't mean that I crowd them out. It doesn't mean that I expect that they're going to listen and do everything that I say, but I can offer it. I can say, well, you know, son, or you know, daughter, I think maybe you should think about, don't say, I think you should do. Maybe you should think about, or have you ever thought about X, Y, and Z? And then see what they say. Because I think sometimes people shut down because of the way that you, they feel as if you're not giving them their independence. And if you have strong-willed children, like I did, they don't like that. That's a turnoff for them. And so I think giving people tools and strategies that they can deploy that will work for them will be really, really helpful. But I think it would be a shame for kids not to, and not because I'm a parent, but I just never did. I learned to always go to my parents because they were successful people. And I trusted their wisdom. And I always, and, I, and even now with, with the passing of my own father, I, before he even passed away when he was ill, I started looking for another male father, a father figure that could speak into my life and give me wisdom. There's something about the prayers. There's something about the wisdom of an older person. We have the wisdom, but not maybe the strength. You all have the youth and the vigor, but man, we can see further. We can see things that other people cannot see, younger people, because we've been in the world a much longer time. And so I really want to make that, that something that I stress. Do not forego a benefit that you've been afforded. Because even parents that have lived a bad life still know what they should have done. So they can still offer you some wisdom. And if you have a foolish parent and their life has no good track records, then find the ones that are like spiritual fathers to you or spiritual mothers that can help you out because there's a lot of people that are fatherless. There are a lot of people that are motherless. And um, I don't think that they have to be of your bloodline, but that is a tool, a benefit, a reward that life gives us to have wisdom in our youth. Mm. I will say this. I think that what needs to be uh, talked about the most and really uh, tuned in on is parents. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I get that this type of love that I don't know how to pronounce correctly. Storge. Storge. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a person. Uh, uh, um, sounds like he's French, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Storge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's where I was going with it, too. Exactly. And, you know, like, mm -hmm. he's definitely a manager. He mm -hmm. sounds like, mm -hmm. sound like he's a manager. Yeah. But anyways, so this 
person y'all call store gay. Mm-hmm. Um, that love, yes, I get it. It you says that 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 love is strictly for like family and stuff like that. It really should just focus on the parents. Mm. Why makes you say that? The reason why is because that's the heartbeat of any family. It's it's the people that started the family. So if you focus on that, you'll learn how to be a good brother if you had good parents. Mm, I don't think that's true now. For the most, it, it, well, 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 well. Let me it takes elaborate. Participants. Allow me to elaborate on that. Okay. You have to understand that being a parent is the most important job you'll ever have. I don't care if you're a CEO. I don't care if you're president. I don't care if whatever teacher, whatever, whatever you're. Whatever you call a job, you being a parent is the most important job that you'll ever get because that's one job that has to be granted to you. The other jobs you interview for, and you might get it, you you might not. You have to get blessed with the opportunity to be a parent. A lot of people cannot become parents uh, naturally for whatever reason. It's It's literally a blessing and people abuse that blessing. And when you don't see it that way, you don't even see the power that you have as a parent. Mm. So the reason, and I'm not trying to take away from any other thing, I know that I made a, a, a bold statement because it requires that boldness because a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I'm gonna parent this child until they're 18, exactly like what Dr. D was saying. That is stupid. You, <laughs> you were blessed to be a parent to the day that you die or the and, and no, I'm I'm leaving like that till the day that you die because even if God forbid your your uh, children would pass tragically prior to you, you can still be a parent. Mm. Like that's something that once you get that job title, it should stay with you until the day mm. that you die. But but here's the only so, question that I want to point is that so you're saying that if the parents are good and we focus on them, then we would have the children would also ex- be good and experience. What know? I'm saying is, you know, there's a it, nothing's ever A B C D E F G and perfect all the way down to Z, but for the most part, everything starts there. And whenever you want to change, you have to change your thoughts. It has to start at the head. The head controls the body. Your brain controls everything. So what you believe is literally what you become. So it's this, it's a lot with the household. The household, it gets its heartbeat. It gets its habits, everything from the people that created the household, which is two people. Mm. So a lot of times, even when the even when the children don't know how to be good siblings to one another, it's a lot of it traces back to how they were raised, what they saw, and 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 so on and so forth. What they were exposed to. What they were exposed to, how how they saw their parents treat their siblings, X, Y, and Z. All behavior is learned behavior. Do you agree with Alex? Is all behavior learned behavior? And is all learned behavior a result of good and bad parenting? It's something to think about. What are your children exposed to? Is it all for the good? Is it all for the bad? Or is it somewhere in between? As a child, what were you exposed to? Did you have good parents? Did that dictate how you behave now? These are things to think about before our next section.
did you learn it? That's the question mark. But most of the time, it started at the household with the two parents. So if parents can start to understand how important that job is and what that job really means and start to reconform uh, the definition of it, because the, Amer the, the average American thinks that it's just getting your kid to graduate high school and maybe get into college and then out of your house and then you're not a parent for, for, for real. That's that that alone is literally a huge issue. So a lot of this needs to uh, happen with those parents understanding the weight of the job and mm -hmm. the power of the job. The yeah. power can change uh, love mm -hmm. that siblings have for each other. If the parents have that agape yeah. love that you're yeah, talking Yeah, well, about. when you said that about the example, you know, most learning uh, occurs as we observe. You know, I, I'm sure some people felt like, ouch, because you said, well, how do they get along? How do they treat their own siblings? I think that that's true. I don't think it's a panacea, though. I think that you still have, you can have a bad seed anywhere. I don't care. Of course. You, mm -hmm. you could be um, this one. Mother Teresa could have had, I mean, of course, she was a nun, but I'm just giving an illustration. She could have had an angel and then a, a, a devilish child. You know, it, it, we know families where that happens, that one comes out just so amazingly well and then one does not. Yeah. And we don't know why. So, but people need to understand that they have the power. Yeah, I love that's, it. That's that's mm -hmm. the problem. Is everyone? Oh, it's this culture. Oh, it's you know, it, you know. Look at social media. You have the power as a parent to not allow them to be on social media. To not like 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 you have so much control. But if you if you let your control go, mm -hmm. that's different. If you let whatever control you have go, because I think with social that, media is everywhere. Yeah, but you know you you can't watch your child twenty four seven. I don't care what nobody says. You really don't have control. I've seen kids using other kids' phones. Like I never gave my kids phones. <laughs> they used to use those chirpers from Nextel. <laughs> so it was a radio, so that they couldn't you know use social media. But yeah. they still were around it, you know. So the environment's the environment. Like we were just talking, me, me, me and some of my homeboys were laughing about, not laughing, well, we were making jokes about it, but it's really not funny. Even the type of commercials that play, mm. like during like the finals and stuff like that, where you can't control what literally certain people see because it's just out there everywhere. So, of course, that's a part of it. But guess who has the most influence? The parents. They do. So at the end of the day, yeah, no, social media got influence. And to support everything what has, you're saying. Everything has influence, but the, the you research have the most shows, influence. The research shows that also children listen more to their parents than even to their peers. Isn't that insightful? Of course. I would have thought that they would be more influenced by their peers. But, but see, that gets perverted at a certain point. If, if you see that your parents are hypocrites. Mm-hmm. If they tell you not to curse and then you hear them cursing all day and all night and all they watch is cursing type of stuff. All day and all then, night. <laughs> then, then at a certain point, you then start to not care about what they say because they don't even live what they mm -hmm. say. And you remember, most behavior is learned through seeing. Mm -hmm. So you can tell someone not to do something and it sounds good, but if they see you not do it, they're going to emulate what they're seeing all the time versus what they hear sometimes. So at the end of the day, um, even even for the those children that don't fall within that statistic of caring about what their parents say more than their peers, it's their parents' fault most of the time. Mm -hmm. Again, uh, like 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 what Dr. Jackie said, there's always going to be 
outliers, which are the bad apples. But we're not, most people aren't bad apples. Mm. Like the really, really, like being just completely honest, most people are not bad apples. They were just in a bad garden. So, so, so I appreciate what you share. But yeah. to summarize what we're talking about regarding story gay love, I think we were talking about tips to parents on how to be better parents, mm -hmm. to emulate what they want to see um, developed in their children. We also talked about how you have to be intentional so that if you want story gay love to be something that's enduring and have a close-knit family with your siblings and your parents, then you have to be intentional and you have to do things that sort of um, curtail the effects of distance and of time as we continue to grow, change, and evolve. Anything else you'd like to add? AKA Homestead Poppy. No. Thank you again for having me. No, it was a pleasure. And I thought you brought a lot uh, of things for us to think about. Having said that, we're signing off, but looking forward to seeing you for the next discussion. Hoping you'll join us again. Thank you for listening to another episode of Follow Arts 101 with Dr. Jacqueline Del Rosario, America's Marriage Coach. This episode was beautiful. It talked about the communication between your family, your brothers, and your sisters. And I thought it was really, really special for Dr. Jackie and her son Alex to talk about storge love, the love between family members, and how they both were able to expound upon the crucial part that the parent plays in the child and parent relationship, and how the impact of being a parent truly goes beyond simply feeding and clothing your child. I hope you have takeaways of your own that you can think about and reflect and even give this episode another listen if you have to. But make sure that you comment, like, and subscribe as we go on this journey to heal hollow hearts everywhere. Take care and have an awesome week.